We are back. Yo. Another episode, man. What's goody? What's goody? It's just me and my big bro today, man. So we're gonna we're gonna turn this one into a Capers Corners episode part two. Well, not part two, episode two. Just discuss some stuff with y'all, man. You know, like I said, it's just the two of us, myself, Darius Capers. Kung Fu Cape on the social or on the on the Twitch on the social media is Darius underscore Capers or at Darius Capers on Twitter. Go and introduce stuff to the people, Henry. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it is your favorite Omega Man, the neighborhood hope dealer himself, Henry Capers Jr. And I am back for another episode of the Dynasty's podcast. Today is a Capers Corners Day, so we're gonna be excited about bringing some really dope perspectives to y'all. From a 1v1 type of conversation, me and my boy going to go back and forth. So proud to be here. So glad to be here, man. Proud of us uh, getting all the way. We almost do the whole season, bro. We almost all do the whole season, bro. Like, this is crazy. Like, never thought never thought this would be something we're doing. Uh, but so proud to be doing it with somebody I love so much. My best friend, my dog. Love you, Darius. Um, definitely want to shout out my social medias. You can always find me at Long Live My Rain, all caps on IG. You can always check me out at caperscaresfoundation.org. Man, it's been a great year, great year. Folks who've been following, folks who've been listening, folks who've been supporting, I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. We've been taking care of people left and right. So glad that we could do this, man. I'm, You know, we're a little tired, man. You know, we're a little tired, so we're going to kick our feet up, man. But we're going to make sure them gifts, we're going to make sure some food get out there before we head on home for the holidays. So, yeah. Yes, bro, I truly appreciate all those kind words that you have for me. We definitely are getting stuff done for the people this holiday season, man. That's that's the Capers Cares way to give back when we can. So we truly all you do for the community, bro. But uh, like Henry mentioned, man, this is this is a one v one type episode, man. We're going Capers Corners episode two, man. We got a couple things on slate that we want to discuss with y'all, man, and we want to get Henry's opinion on, and that also maybe get mine on, you know. We want to start with a major, major topic within the last few few weeks, man. Uh, and I got to ask Henry because, man, Henry, a recent HBCU graduate, two-time, two-time HBCU graduate. So we, yeah. have, we have to get your opinion on it, man. Uh, prime time, Coach Prime, Deion Sanders left Jackson yeah. State to take the head coaching job at the University of Colorado. No. Yeah. Well, how do you feel about that? What what is your take on Dion leaving and going to Colorado? Wow. Um, you know, it's been a lot of well, before I start, I want to say first and foremost, congratulations to Dion. Uh congratulations, you coach Dion Sanders. Uh, I want to put some respect on your name. Congratulations on heading uh down to Atlanta this weekend for the HBCU championship game. Congratulations for winning the uh SWAC conference. Who is swack? This week is Dion. I'm not gonna lie to you. He's swack until he ain't swacking. That'll be after Saturday, after nine, probably when he heads back to Colorado. Uh, definitely want to shout out to him, man. I think it's huge that he's taking this opportunity. I think that good, bad, and different. We'll talk about the ins and the outs of his decision throughout the course of the uh, course of tonight's conversation. But I have to say, without a shadow of a doubt, I'm proud of him. I'm glad to see that he had an opportunity to jump into a Power five conference like the Pac-12, that's a huge leap. 
never before in my mind have we seen a black coach, specifically a black head coach, come from head coaching at the level he was at, jumping into a power five program the way he is now. Um, that's a huge jump. It may have been done back in the past, maybe done back in the day, but it hasn't been something I've seen recently. And so I definitely got to tip my hat to him. I like that, bro. I, I completely agree with you, man. Uh, Deion Sanders is doing something major, man. I truly feel he's not only doing it for himself, though. I feel like he's doing it for his yeah. children, too, man. His, uh, his son, Shadur, he's coming up on that time to where he'll be eligible for that draft. And yeah, he's already had two tremendous seasons at Jackson State. I mean, tremendous. I mean, Tremendous, yeah, bro. I mean, they won back to back swag sure, championships. Sure, sure. I mean, I I believe he's only lost what two games in his starting time as a as a as the starting quarterback for Jackson State. I mean, mm. Shadour's played well. He's already getting Heisman buzz for the University of Colorado, and not only will that be great for the University of Colorado, but also those kids' chance to go to the league, bro. Like, let's sure. think about it. He's going to have a top 10, top 15 recruiting class when he gets to University of Colorado. He just flipped a four-star running back from yeah, Notre Dame to Colorado. So, and I mean, that that's completely different levels of schools as well. And it, it's just, it's, it's tremendous, bro. I, I truly, truly, truly appreciate what he's doing. And I'm actually pulling up Shadour's numbers now. His first season as a quarterback for Jackson State, 3,200 yards, 30 touchdowns to eight interceptions. And then the second season, 3,300 yards passing, 36 touchdowns and six interceptions. And, I mean, bro, I'm I'm looking at the schedule here, bro. They've they've been undefeated this season. And then, bro, they've just been – they've been a tremendous team with him at the helm, bro. So – if he can get to Colorado and be half, I don't want to say half, but if he can be three quarters of what he was at Jackson State on this Pac-12 level, but I think he has as good a shot as anybody. I mean, like like Prime said, like Coach Sanders said, they coming, right? Right, they're coming. They're not. Man. He's not coming to play around. They're coming to to beat people and take names, bro. And that's how it should be. I mean, no, nah, I mean. That- that's real, right? That's real. I can't take anything away from that. Um, I definitely agree with you on that piece, right? I think for me, if we're talking about Shador, his son at quarterback, I'm not certain that he will translate at, or acclimate as quickly to this level of talent as Dion will coaching against this level of talent. I hope there is not a steep learning curve I know there will be a learning curve. I've I've been around the game of football long enough to know I've coached my own level of football at that college. I coached football at that collegiate level long enough to know that there will be a learning curve. He's basically gone from freshman year of high school to junior year of college. That's like the jump, right? I'm not throwing, I'm not crapping on Jackson State or the SWAC conference or HBCU football in any way, but I'm just, I don't know about the pace of play. I think this, the pace of the game will be a little bit faster to the extent that if he really wants to be that guy, if he really wants to live up to the hype, if he really wants to live up to the uh, Heisman 
draw that he has right now. He's going to have to play good football, man. He's going to have to be a pound for pound dog. And that learning curve is going to have to be very minimal for him to be able to come into the game, put up 300, 400 yards a game, do it at 60 plus percent completion. He needs to be doing it at a turnover ratio of three to one, four to one. He needs to be able to maintain that level of consistency across what, 13 games, 12 games, needs to be able to fight to push his team into a Pac-12 championship within a year. He also needs to be able to try to push his team into the postseason bowl game eligibility because they're not going to be a uh, a power five team, I mean, or a, a playoff bound team. That's just not going to happen. And so he's going to have to be able to at least win six games at this level and dominate in those six games for him to be legitimately considered the pro talent. I think people are speculating he will be, if he can do that. And if he can do that while maintaining a healthy physique without getting injured, I think that he'll have a good chance of being a mid round pick in this, in the upcoming draft in the next year's draft. That is my assessment. Now, if he comes out the gate and he's like, cutting right if he comes out the gate and he goes seven and oh in his first seven games he's knocking off usc or he's knocking off colorado state and hitting up utah and beating them over the head if he's doing all these things well then i think the tide shifts a little bit because that means that learning curve is more acclimated but we're basically watching colorado build a team we can assume that Colorado has never had football before, and next season is going to next season is going to be their first ever season of playing football. Basically, bro, and considering right. last season they were one in ten, they were right. They weren't. Dion, Dion walked in telling kids, "Go ahead and get in the portal. I'm bringing guys in." Like yeah. Dion has already taken what commitment that team had before he got there, minimized it to zero, and he's starting from the ground up. And so if you're telling me that Dion is going to put together a 10-win football team in, what is this now? It's January. They start playing football in August. If you're telling me he puts together a 10-win team in eight months, I will call you a liar. I will call you a liar. Nick Saban couldn't do that. Nick Saban couldn't do that. Like, And I'm not comparing... Dion or saying that Nick Saban is the measuring stick. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that I don't care how high the caliber of the head coach is. It's impossible to gel together a team that has been so imploded like Colorado's team this late in the game, right? You think about it. Kids are flipping. The transfer portal is a mess. You've got guys who've been in a transfer portal transferred and haven't played since they've been out of the portal. You know what I'm saying? So this is it's going to be a mess. It's going to be a mess until February. It's going to be a mess until March. And so by that time, that's valuable. That's valuable time that you have lost trying to figure out where kids are going to go, where kids are going to play. It's a, it's a lot, man. It's a lot. It, I, I truly do believe that at this current moment, Dion is priming to have a five win team. Five wins. Deion's probably to have a five-win team. Wow. And here, and here's who I think he'll beat, since you're asking me, right? Let's pull it up. Let's, let's pull it up. Pac-12. 
for what it's worth, he's going to have seven – well, he's going to have eight four- and five-star guys to start that team with for what it's worth. And he will have his quarterback, like I said, Shadour Sanders is transferring over. He might even bring his youngest son. Uh, there's speculation on if he will or not. I assume his youngest son's not going to stay at Jackson State. He's going to come over with him. Travis Hunter, the number one athlete from last year's class, has already said he's going to Colorado with him, bro. It's still speculatory. I haven't seen anything hard confirm that he's going. And so, as of right now, I'm not taking anything that they're saying as other anything other than place value. I believe he's not coming, right? So, I'm looking at the standings right now. In the Pac-12, you've got USC, who has the Heisman winner. I told you that kid was going to win the Heisman. I told you that kid was good. He's He would have been the first overall pick in this NFL draft this year if he would have went out. And the sad thing is he's going to slip on people's board because he's coming back to play college football. I felt like he was this good at Oklahoma. I really no, no. You got You got USC. You've got Utah. You've got Washington, Oregon, Oregon State, UCLA, Washington State, Arizona, California, Arizona State, Stanford, and Colorado at the bottom of the barrel. So he's elected to take Colorado, that Colorado job. Well, let's Stanford, be, Arizona State's just as bad as they are. I feel like they can get Arizona State next year. Arizona's up in the air. I if I'm not, mistaken. I mean, let's 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 start from the bottom up, right? Because Colorado's at the very bottom. So the team in front of them is Stanford. Can they beat Stanford? Stanford's losing their quarterback. Tanner McKee is. Going Stanford to- has also lost their head coach. So there's so, grabbing. That could be stars. that could be one win. Good job. That could be one conference win. Now, next above that is Arizona State. Arizona State's just as bad as them. They let Herm Edwards go middle of the season. I mean, you can say that, but Arizona State has also got three wins. Like, Arizona has three wins this season, you know? And so, while I'm not saying those three wins are immaculate, Arizona State ain't like just what well, they was. They was getting mudded, but. Like, mudded. They're, they're terrible, but they're a terrible football team. I ain't gonna say that they beat Washington. Washington was a middle of the pack team. Washington is ranked twenty one. Mm, so how they middle of the pack? Like that's what that's what I'm saying. Like, like they're not bad. They're not bad. I'm looking at their schedule. One of those wins was against Colorado. So they beat Washington. See what other win is that? Colorado. And they beat oh they they beat uh the NAU NAU I don't know who that is North Alabama NAU the is it the Cougar is it like a, a Nah it's Northern Arizona Oh I was about to say so that's yeah. their victories they only won two Pac twelve games Yeah Bro that's a that's a coin flip bro Okay that's a coin flip that's fair Okay so right now let's say Colorado gets Stanford Colorado beats Arizona State Okay that's two and zero oh. That's two and zero oh in conference. California, they'll probably do the same thing against Cal Berkeley. I'll give them that. But after those three teams, this is where it starts getting a little bit hairy because Arizona overall is five and seven. Arizona is not a bad ball club. Arizona has a lot of guys returning and they've won some significantly decent games. When I look at their schedule, right? Like 
They're playing close football with guys like Washington, 39 to 49. They played USC. They went 45 to 37, right? Like they're playing close ball games. But even if we say they beat Arizona, that makes them 3-0, and right? Yeah, 4-0. That'd be 4-0 in the, in the pack. That'd be 4-0 in the pack. No, that'd be 1, 2, 3. Okay, that'd be 4-0 in the pack. 4-0 in the pack. They're not beating Washington State. Because Washington State's got an amazing quarterback who's who's coming back, and he's better than Shador. Like, uh, let's be real. Oh. Like, bro, Washington State's quarterback is great. Let me figure out this kid's name. We actually sat down and you and I watched the game. So I think they can beat Arizona, bro. Because if I'm not mistaken, yeah, I think they can beat Arizona. We already said they beat Arizona. The, the yeah, the lore is coming back, but he turned the ball over too much last season. Yeah, no, I definitely think they'll beat Arizona. I'm not taking nothing away from that. I think they'll beat Arizona. Um, I definitely think they'll beat Arizona. Uh, let me see. What's this kid's name who plays quarterback at? Uh, it's Washington State. You're talking about Cameron Ward? I think he's going pro. No way. Can't be. You're talking about the, the dude that transferred from Incarnate at Word? Yeah. He's, bro, he's good. He's not. Bro, he's, bro, he's good, bro. Ah, bro, okay, bro. Bro, bro he's good. Bro. I'm hearing six pack. I'm hearing six pack twelve victories so far. I haven't had it. I, I only told. I yet. said they only gonna. No way. I haven't heard six. That's that's a clear dub against that that. I get, my paper. Bro, stop it. Bro, after Washington. Okay, so even if we give them Washington State, that's one, two, three, four, five. Two, that's five wins. UCLA, they not beating them. UCLA is nine and three. They're not beating hey, UCLA who's... is getting DJ Ugalavale is transferring to them. Yeah, but because isn't um Dorian, what you call it, Dorian Thompson going to the league? I think yeah, I think he's either graduating or going to the league. Yeah, I think Dorian Thompson probably is gonna go in the league. I mean, but Ugale, he's gonna Ooh, like go smoke. <laughs> he close to home. He gonna smoke some. You, him and his brother. Oh, him and his brother. They finna smoke some. You what? His brother better than him. So it don't matter. He don't need to be better than his brother because they different positions. Just be a just be a ball player. Just be a ball player. That UCLA that UCLA oh, team. Yeah, DTR is graduating. So yeah, it's yeah, gonna, it's gonna be his show. Yeah. So <laughs> smoke. So they. One, two, three, four, five, and one. Oregon State, five and two. Oregon, five and three. Washington, six and three, because Washington always, you know, they always slip up. So I give Colorado. Colorado beat Washington. They not beating Utah. So six and four. USC, they're going to mud them. They're going to beat them twice. So, like... Like I, I'm just looking at it practically, right? Like it. That's just if if they go through and run the gauntlet, right? But the truth is, man, Dion is going to try to play some talent, some lower seed talent. So he, I wouldn't be surprised if Dion don't put Jackson State on the schedule. I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. Let me tell you, I wouldn't be surprised if Dion Sanders don't put Jackson State on the schedule. That would be dope if he did. It wouldn't be dope. He gonna beat them kids down for a win. It's it's a look. It's not only just a win. It's a look too, bro. It's a look, right? How much? But how much are you gonna pay them just to beat, just to get a win, though? That is true. Yeah, well, I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give y'all a million dollars to come out here, and we're gonna beat the crap out of y'all. 
from from Jackson State to Colorado, it's gonna cost them two hundred thousand. A little, that's a good little truth. Yeah, it's gonna cost them two hundred thousand. Like my my only thing, bro. I feel like we're penalizing Colorado based off of what how the talent played last year. Their quarterback, their starting quarterback, JT Stroud. Starting quarterback, keeping keep in mind these numbers. He threw 1,220 yards, seven touchdowns, and eight picks. Jesus. He was tied for 119th mm. in passing yards, 113th in touchdowns, 121st in QBR, 23.2 QBR, bro. And it's not like he was outmatched because he started at the University of Tennessee. He was in the SEC and came to Colorado and still could not cut it, bro. Wow. So it's like at what like their leading rusher rushed for 393 yards, two scores, leading receiver caught for 470 yards and four touchdowns. Bro, like they were not a good ball club at all. Like sure. now, granted, this linebacker they had, he had a good season, 96 tackles, three and a half sacks, caught a pick, but he was on a bottom five defense in football. So, so he had like, an opportunity to blossom. Yeah. He had a chance to just make a bunch of plays. So that's my thing, bro. They didn't have a lot of talent last year, bro. And you've seen it for yourself, bro. Being a college athlete, I wasn't a college athlete, but I've seen it myself. It's guys at these HBCUs that could smoke these PWI athletes. They just certain situations, certain circumstances. Oh, I just didn't have the grades. Oh, I wanted to stay closer to home. Oh, I couldn't afford the move. Certain things like that happen, bro. No, you're absolutely right. You're these absolutely kids, right. But these Jackson State kids, I won't be surprised if they come in and run the Pac-12. But I guarantee they're four five and four four and four three nines, just like these dudes in the Pac-12 are. Yeah, I'm not saying that's not the case, but when you think about the talent of the guy that's leaving Jackson state to come to Colorado. That ain't a lot of talent, bro. Like those four and five star guys that was like, okay, yeah, I'm going following Dion. Whoopie, whoop, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to do that. Those guys that came out of the transfer portal and was like, yeah, I'm going to follow Dion. I'm going to do that. That's cool. But a kid who coming in from high school was being recruited by Jackson state is not leaving Jackson state. He's not, he's not leaving. Like, again, you never know, bro. He was able to flip the four-star running back from Notre, the University of Notre Dame, bro. Like, that's major. But the truth is, everybody wants to play for Dion, but not everybody's going to play for Dion. Think about about how many kids are going to go. Think about how many kids Dion brought to Jackson State because they were four or five-star guys. They were big-time talent in the – you know, the the transfer portal. And think about how many guys he probably had to kick off that team. Think about how many guys he's probably had to say, yeah, you are you a member of Jackson State and you won a SWAT championship, but you've got 100 downs played. You've been a secondary guy. You've been a special teams guy. The true, I'm not penalizing Dion because Dion is going to find talent. I'm not penalizing the player because the player wants to go play for Dion. What I'm saying is, that there has to be some realism to what we are looking at. We have to realize that Dion is just not going to come in this league and he's going to drop 
40 points a game. I don't care who his OC is. He's got one of the best offensive minds in football, Sean Lewis, and nobody wants to talk about it. Shane Lewis, excuse me, one of the best offensive minds in football. He was the head coach at Kent State. Kent State has had a uh, premier offense mm-hmm. while he was the head coach there. It was just their defense. That's why they weren't good. Right. And they had a premier offense. And so it doesn't matter. That offense is not flowing through four-star running back that decommitted from Notre Dame to go to Colorado. No, that offense is running through his son. And anybody who thinks they're going to get in the way of that will find themselves not on that roster. Like, let's be real. Let's be practical. Like, Dion is not bringing in 25 five-star guys. He's not bringing in 24-star guys. And Mm. even if he did, are you guaranteeing me all of them guys are going to come in and play and be the guys that you need? Because there will be a learning curve. That does make sense, bro. It it is a different level of football from even high-level high school or Division I on the FCS level to FBS football. So that makes sense. But – if I had to get you to predict what Shadour is going to look like, because let me just read these numbers again from this past season. I want to let you know, he won the Jerry Rice FCS player of the year last year. That's essentially the Heisman trophy for FCS. So he had a, a, a rating of 158.5, completed 70% of his passes, 3,386 yards, 36 touchdowns to six interceptions. And then he also rushed for – he honestly wasn't that big of a on the ground guy, which is surprising me. Like he did it mostly with his arm. He only rushed for 174 yards and got five scores. So he was mostly a goal line rusher. So what would you predict his stats to be then? Cause these stats are looking like 66 touchdowns, the to 14 interceptions, almost 7,000 passing yards. That's looking like I can come in any conference any division in the world in produce. I think Shador will have a really good, I mean, because I'm looking at his numbers now, uh, pass attempts, he went up completions. He went up completion percentage. He improved yards, total yards. He improved his yards per average kind of went down, but by 0.2, he went up by six touchdowns. He went down by two interceptions his QBR's rating is significantly higher. So those numbers are good, but that lets me know that he's comfortable. He's gotten fluid in the level of competition he's playing. If we want to see Shador have a really good year, he's going to have to be a two-year guy at Colorado. Shador does not need to be thinking of going to the NFL after this year. Shador's peak in college will be his senior year. If he stays healthy, gets comfortable, helps that team grow, helps that team build, commits to being the starter quarterback for that roster for at least two seasons, I wouldn't be surprised if he even tries to use that COVID year maybe. And so he plays three years at Colorado with dad. I wouldn't be surprised. He could be a Heisman winner. His second year, his third year, he could really peak and start showing these same type of numbers again. But I think next year, Shador is going to be a – I think he's going to be a high 50 percent completion guy. I think, yeah, I think he'll. Um, I, I'm just telling you. I think Shador will be. I think he'll be below 64. Any like anywhere between 50 and 64 percent completion, which is still pretty good. 
right? That's not significantly bad, especially at that level. He's going against some serious talent in the Pac-12. Um, I think yards, he'll probably crack 3,000. He'll crack 3,000, but I don't think it'll be, you know, a clean 3,000. I think it'll be 3,000 or maybe like 28 touchdowns, 15 interceptions, 14 interceptions. Yeah, I don't think it'll be clean. I I don't think it'll be clean, not in his first season. Does it does it change anything that he was being recruited by the Florida States and the Floridas and the Alabamas and the Georgias out of high school being a four-star prospect? Yes and no. I say yes because had he come out of high school and went to a Florida State, went to a, what, a, a, one of these other schools he was being looked at and his last name wasn't Sanders, can we guarantee that he would have been a dog? Can we guarantee he would have been a player? If we say yes, that's fine. But even then, can we guarantee that he would have been competing for a starting job with all of the other quarterbacks that rank so much higher than him? Uh, you get what I'm saying? Like, he he wasn't the number one player in the country. Sure. He wasn't, you know, top five quarterback in his class. Like, I couldn't even tell you where he sat in his class at quarterbacks. Yeah, I know he was a four-star in terms of where he sat in his class. I'm not 100% certain off the top of my head either, but I I know, like I mentioned, he was a four-star. He was getting a lot of love from a lot of people. Better yet, let me me take a look at his 24-7 sports real quick. So coming out of – His last name was Sanders. Coming out of Trinity Christian, 6'1", 200 pounds. He was a four-star. He was at got a ninety one percent composite score. Sure, twenty six quarterback, number thirty eight player in Texas, two hundred forty seventh all, all overall nationally. So, bro, that ranked him. That ranked him as a number twenty six quarterback. Bro, I'm looking at the twenty five quarterbacks in front of him. Yeah, Sam's, uh, Caleb Williams, Quinn Ewers. Brock Vandergriff, J.J. McCarthy was ahead of him. Ty Thompson at Oregon was ahead of him. Drake May, who's a lot of people's looking to be a, the number one quarterback taken next year if Caleb right. Williams doesn't come out. It's another – yeah, man. It, this was a pretty good quarterback class. Because if I'm not – Eli Stowers for Texas, Texas A&M is playing. He's looking to play next year. Yeah, like – when you look at the when you look at the top twenty guys in front of him, right? You can look at the top twenty guys in front of him, and you can say, of the top twenty guys, four or five of them are going to be NFL quarterbacks, most likely first round picks. I wouldn't guarantee first round picks for all of them, but even if we look at the top twenty, four of them are guys that could change franchises when healthy in the league right now. Yeah, if you get. Quinn on a team, if you get Caleb on a team, you get Brock on a team, you mess around and get Jalen Milrow down there at the best. Bro, bro, Jalen, bro, Jalen is the new guy. Jalen's the guy. He's the new guy, bro. You can be the guy. I didn't even see him. Bro. And so you have to ask yourself, you have to ask yourself this question. You have to ask, okay, what does Shador do? that other guys don't do. And I think this is going to be a great opportunity for him to be the most leader 
built, leader-driven, leader-ready quarterback in this class. Because when I look at guys who are better leaders than him, there's only one player on this list. I agree. Drake May. Oh, I would say two then. Because I would definitely put Caleb Williams as as this number two. I think I think Caleb Williams is just like I think he's just a football guy. You think he's a lead by example type of guy? I think I think he's a football guy. You know what I'm saying? I just think he's a guy. I'm here to play football. Like some people have it. He has yeah, it. Yeah, so it's like yeah. and that helps you a lot when you just got yeah. it. So that makes sense, bro. I see what you're I, saying. I think he's just a I think he's a football guy. And this is why I say that because any kid willing to transfer any kid willing to say, all right, cool, I, I, I'm a top player, like I'm a top five guy, I'm good, I'm great, something's not going right here for whatever reason I want to leave, I'm going somewhere else. Like, I, you, there's something there. There's something there. What that something is, I can't quite put my finger on it, but there's something there. Does you know, it, and that's, Does it not right. matter that he was staying loyal to the guy that recruited him out of, out of high school? Lincoln Riley was the one that came to his home himself. Like, I mean, does that not show a little loyalty maybe? Uh, well, that's true. That's true. That's true. I forgot about Lincoln Riley. Yeah. That's true. Okay, so I can understand the move now. I can understand the move now. Yeah, and that's why, like, that's why I'm not even high on Quinn Ewers. Ewers, how you pronounce his name? Yeah. I'm not, high on, I'm not high on him because the truth is you're the number one player in your class, nationally number one, position number one, state number one. You chose Ohio State. A year later, you're gone. You're at Texas now. Like, yeah, bro. Like, if we want to talk about true leaders, we want to talk about true adversity. College football has made it where guys don't have to exemplify those traits and still get opportunities to be glorified. There's a reason why the Jerry Rices of the world made it so big. The Walter Paytons of the world. There are a reason why the Shannon Sharps were successful. There are a reason why the uh, um, Julian Edelman's had an opportunity to stick in the league because I don't want our listeners to think I'm just going to name out all the black players. There are young guys. There's a reason why Tom Brady stuck in the league, right? Tom could have packed it up and he could have easily left Michigan. You get what I'm saying? Showed he could play. He showed he could play. Like Russell Wilson, right? We might be trashing him week in and week out about his play now, but there was a 10-year stretch where Russ was the guy in, in the NFL Russ was also that guy in college, and he showed, I'm going to stay loyal to my team, North Carolina State. He was there doing his thing for a while. He graduated and utilized his grad year at another school for a bigger platform. Like, we're looking at the college football has given agency for players to be indecisive about their decisions a year after making those decisions. Bro, I played football in a time where if you transferred, you had to sit out for a year. I played football in a time period where you were afraid to leave because, oh, if I leave, I know the school that I'm going to is not going to take care of me. They're not going to give me that money. They're not going to provide for me the way the school I am now is providing for me. Oh, I don't want to leave because I don't want my FAFSA to get jacked up. Like these are all the elements of when I played college football. Dog, now these guys can jump into the portal and know without a shadow of a doubt that this school I'm at now is paid for and the next school is going to be paid for. And if I don't like it here, I'll go somewhere else. I want you to try me. Cool. Exactly, bro. And that's, that's the thing that really, really, really burns right. me because it just, like you said, where's the loyalty for your team? I mean, like, and like you said, in Caleb Williams instance, I completely understand it. I mean, Lincoln Riley, was the reason you came to Oklahoma. That makes complete sense, you know, but 
some of these people's in some of these people's case, like you said, Quinn Ewers got recruited to Ohio State. I mean, you're there. Beat the guy in right. front of you. I, I, in, in, is it that you don't want to wait? I mean, CJ Stroud's going pro this year. You could have easily been there and backed him up for right. two seasons, learned, came in, and then just cooked as a junior. It typically only takes oh one season or two seasons max for people to want to take a quarterback in the first round. I mean, I, I just I don't understand it either, bro. It's crazy. It, it makes no sense. But I mean, now with everything that's changed in college sports, man, it makes sense that they had to change the transfer rule because kids are going to want to go where they get the most money and where they can get the best opportunity for themselves because sometimes this is it for a lot of players. So, And they're going to have to change that rule. Like, it's going to have to be a rule that they change. Oh, that's dope. I know this guy, Robert Gillespie, the running back coach at Alabama. I know him. He was at, um, I am mistaken, he was at Duke, Carolina last year, year before. Uh, got a chance to meet him at a coaching clinic. Um, yeah, bro, like it, it's tough, right? Because I look at a guy, I look at a guy like uh, like white dude with the mullet. What's my man name at the top? Quinn. Quinn went to he chose Ohio State as if Ohio State didn't already have a starting quarterback. Didn't have C.J. Stroud. Like he was like, there. <laughs> like, like, like he was like I'm going to Ohio State. To compete with the guy for what reason? I'm the number one player in the country. I'm not telling you not to follow or go to the best option. I'm not telling you, oh, don't consider the Alabamas or the LSUs or the Ohio States. But it's hard for me to consider those when I know I'm going there with Bryce Young in his first year as the starting quarterback. <laughs> or, with dog, I'm going to Southern. Or is C.J. Stroud coming off of throwing 4,000 yards? Bro. And he put bro, two I'm, receivers in the NFL in the first round. Like, that doesn't make sense to no, me. That no, makes I am – I'm going to Southern Miss. And then I can no, go to I'm, Southern Miss. I can cook. And then I can transfer. And now I'm looking right. at the prize instead of just sitting on right. the – Right. I'm with you 110%, bro, because right. Qu- Quinn Ewers, maybe you listen to this, maybe you don't, man, but – you being the number one player in your class, bro, there's no reason why you should have ever committed to Ohio State. There's no what? reason at all. It's, what? You, you are not going to beat C.J. Stroud, bro. And, and that's no disrespect to his talent. But C.J. Stroud right. was already there and showed he can thrive at Ohio State. Why were they going to He was already in the mix. It didn't he was already sense. in the mix. It made zero sense. It made zero sense to me, man. Oh. I just – I don't want to keep berating the kid, but it's just like, come on, man. You got to, like you said, it's all about making the decisions and living with them. And, and sure. Sure. But, sure. Uh, and so it feels if, and for the listeners, right. It feels like we've kind of got off topic, but we all ultimately, I say all that to say this, right. I think that Shador, while he was highly recruited, I think a lot of it may have had to do with his last name, why he had some of the big time offers. And I think a place like Jackson State was perfect for him because he was able to go there and hone in on his craft. If you look at him now, he's a much better thrower of the football than he was coming in. And Jackson State helped him do that. Now, the only issue is because he came in and developed at this level and he's now transferred to an elevated level 
while other people have played at an elevated level and transferred laterally, I hope that his learning curve keeps him one healthy and two keeps him productive. If he can be both healthy and productive, I see him being successful, but I also see him needing more than one season. I don't think he's a Heisman guy right now. I think in year four, maybe year five, when he's 23, when the quarterbacks sit carousel, when some of these guys who we think are coming out, don't come out or don't show up. When the coaching, when the quarterback carousel is a little bit depleted, some of these older guys that we see in the league have retired, the Matthew Staffords, the Tom Brady's. When we see some of these guys transition from one team to the other, the Aaron Rodgers, the Russell Wilsons, when we see those guys transition three seasons from now, I think there will be space for Shador to come in and not only come into the NFL, but blossom in the NFL with all of the wealth of experience he has. A five-year college quarterback who can come into a franchise right now and be that mature leader that he is, man, that team is going to be you know, a gold mine in the making. Shador can come out with a full-time degree, a full four-year bachelor's degree. He can get some master's experience at Colorado. He can now get an MBA, a MPA, whatever he's looking for. So now he's setting himself up to be able to use that Sanders last name that is so iconic, that is so world-class to not only be successful on the field, but also be successful in life. Shador could really write his own ticket to where if by 30, he doesn't want to play football anymore, he doesn't have to be like dad and be on his way to his 15. He doesn't have to be like his dad and having gotten traded because Jerry Jones don't want to pay you. The 49ers don't want to pay you. Atlanta wants to trade you for whatever right he could be a 30 year old breadwinner because he's gotten his degrees he's capitalized on every opportunity and now worst case scenario Shador could be a a career backup in the league right but I see there's a he's a bright star I think he's a star in the making I just hope that he does the right thing and the right thing is not rushing his development the right thing is staying healthy. The right thing is making sure he's tapping in to what that learning curve is for him and leaning as hard into not letting it affect his gameplay. So, and see, bro, it's funny that you mentioned that, bro, because like, and 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 this might honestly just be our whole quarterback episode, uh, everybody, because I got a couple of questions for me about quarterbacks, but you mentioning that made me think about a player, bro and a player that actually did the exact same thing that you're saying right now, and it's tremendously benefiting him, and he didn't even stay healthy, bro. Hendon Hooker, University of Tennessee, little do people know, he started at Virginia Tech in 2018. He registered, played at Virginia Tech for two seasons, then he transferred to SEC. Just like you said, bro, that's a that's a not a lateral transfer. That's that's a, a step above, you know, going from ACC football to SEC football, mm-hmm. granted, it took him two years to actually hone in on that craft, but his two seasons at University of Tennessee were tremendous. Uh, he totaled almost 6,000 yards he's, passing, 58 touchdowns of five picks. That's amazing. And now 58 he, touchdowns? In, in his first season at Tennessee, he threw for 31 touchdown passes to three interceptions. This past season when he tours ACL, he threw 27 touchdown passes to two interceptions. 50, he tours ACL like five weeks ago. Three, four weeks ago, bro. 
58 touchdown passes to five picks in the SEC. He is going to be a first round pick, not even being healthy because of what you said. Yeah. Taking the time, craft, staying in school, putting in the work every day. He came in as a 6'3, 205-pound kid. Now he's getting drafted as a 6'4, 220-pound grown man who's been around the he's block, knows the game. He's going to be a tremendous NFL talent. Yeah, he's a dude, bro. I'm not gonna lie to you. He was who I had winning the Heisman. I thought that, or he was one. He was in my Heisman. He was in my Heisman watch conversation. Him, I was. I've been high on him. I've been high on Caleb Williams. I was also really high on um, a kid from Georgia. Uh, ben. Yeah, I've been really high on those three quarterbacks all uh, all along. I don't think Ben is going to have a really good NFL career as a starter. I think he'll be a, a legitimate backup. I think he'll be one of those guys whose name pops up anytime somebody gets hurt, the Colt McCoys, the, you know what I'm saying? Like, and that's no problem, right? Because those guys now in the league, you're making $11 million a year. You're making $15 million a year to sit on a bench. And that's a paycheck. That's a paycheck, bro. Like, that's a paycheck, bro, because starting quarterbacks ain't getting hurt in the league like that. Like, yeah, Kyler Murray's injury was like a freak, oh, I stepped wrong and I I hurt something type of accident. But backups ain't playing like that, not in the league. They're not, bro. Like, not in the league. And so Bennett could easily be a a cool, hey, I've been on a roster nine years. I left and signed somewhere else and did another four or five. Like, he's not going to be a starter, but. In my 14 years, I made $82 million. Like, that's a good yeah, one. Right, come on, bro. Happy man. <laughs> come on, bro. He ain't going to come on, man. I tell you what, boy, that hooker that hooker kid, hooker going to be the man, bro. Yeah, hooker going to be the man, bro. I, I he get on the right roster. I mean, he gets somewhere like Washington or he gets somewhere where it's like a black city where, like, he can, like, really thrive in an offense that, like, leans into him, like a Washington, like a Detroit, right? Like, if he gets into a place where he can really make that role his own, man, that hooker kid going to be the truth, bro. Yeah, bro, I like Detroit, bro. I know in in the first episode of Caper's Corner, I had them taking – I had them taking CJ Stroud at three, but – the more and more that the the Rams keep winning, that draft picks are falling down that board. So I mean, right, right. If it continues to fall. I say they go defense with that first pick, a receiver, and then try to take Hendon Hooker in the second round because I think he'll be there, bro. So sure. I agree with you, bro. If he gets to the right team, Dan Campbell. Oh man, that would be amazing. And he doesn't have to play right away. They still got golf. Now he doesn't have to play right away. Golf is actually looking really good. If I'm Dan Campbell, I'm drafting Hayden Hooker. I'm going to let Hayden get healthy. I'm going to let Golf do his thing. I'm going to tell Golf, hey, man, I'm going to be real with you. I'm not giving you a contract. We're not going to extend you. You got Like, you it's been pleasure having you. Exactly. We're going to help shop you. We're going to help shop you to whatever organization you want to be at. If that's the Seattle's who will be looking for a quarterback, if that's the Denver who's looking for quarterback competition, if that is, you know, the Chicago's, if that is, you know, we're going to shop you. If that's Tennessee who's going to need a quarterback soon, right? Because while they've got Malik, he's not going to be there long. Like, they're not going to play him. Like, they're not going to play him. And so – 
I would tell him, you know what, man, like we, we appreciate everything you've done. You've helped turn this organization around. You've gotten us on track. You've been our filler quarterback for a while. Where do you want to go? Let me help you get there. Let's make this thing happen. And I'm man, Hayden, that's Hayden got the keys to the car, Jack. Like yeah, Hayden go get, he could, he couldn't be my backup too long. He, could. he couldn't be my backup too long, dog. He got to play for me. He gives me Joe Ver- he gonna Joe have to because he's he's been around. Like he's not a twenty-one-year-old who has one year of right. experience, but he has three legit years of of college football experience. So I, I really I'm with you on uh Hendon, bro. But another yeah. another quarterback situation that you mentioned was actually my second question for you. The Kyler Murray situation, man. Kyler Murray's mm-hmm. out for the rest of the season with that torn ACL and also, but it's officially torn. It's officially torn, yeah, bro. And so they're Sheesh. saying Cliff Kingsbury might be on the hot seat now. They're saying that GM might be on oh, the hot boy. seat. If you're Cliff Kingsbury's old, white, man. Come on, listen, bro. Cliff Kingsbury's white. I'm not – listen, he's white and he's young. I don't have any sympathy for a guy like that when they literally brought him in and gave him the keys to the organization and he didn't do anything with it. Like, you not only have Kyler Murray with your first overall pick, You've got James Conner in the backfield. You've got um, uh, Nuke you throwing the football too. You know, you've got Hollywood. You made a trade for Hollywood. Listen, we haven't even talked about that defense yet. Isaiah Simmons, uh, Buddha, like you got JJ. He's a little washed, but they still got him. I mean. Zach Collins, bro, Zach you, Collins, a linebacker. They have talent, bro. Bro, you've got talent on that team. I don't feel bad for him. He needs to do a better job, bro. He can't be – you can't be so siloed as a coach that you get to an organization off of nepotism or off of this young, oh, offensive guru guy tag that they give all these young quarterbacks these days. You can't get all the way there and forget that defense wins championships. Defense wins ball games in the NFL. You can never not forget that, right? Like, yes, the offense has not always been great, but that's because y'all screwed Kyler Murray. Like, y'all screwed Kyler. Y'all made Kyler feel as though he wasn't doing something right or he wasn't being successful. And even if that is the case, he's also your franchise quarterback because you just gave him $300 million. So don't go in there telling them, oh, you need a a learning clause. Like, this is a business, but this is also a relationship-driven business. If you're not establishing relationships, if you're not making guys feel as though there is some level of ego drive. That's why y'all don't win ball games, bro. Look, bro, Bill Belichick is a stud at winning games because Bill has said either I'm going to lean into egos and I'm going to lean into every guy's ego or I don't care about anyone's ego. And he said, I don't care about anyone's ego and guys buy into that. Guys buy into the equality of his team. Right. Guys who are trash, undrafted guys, come in off the street and turn into pro bowl players because Bill Belichick does not buy into the ego. When you're a Cliff Kingsbury who buys into the ego sometimes and then tries to lean out and like, Oh no. When that happens, that's why you lose ball games. That's why you lose ball games, bro. It seems like sometimes he he loves Kyler. The next minute they're arguing on the sideline. It just, Dog, listen, Bill Belichick never once liked Tom. 
I don't think he ever liked Tom, but he respected Tom. And I think Tom knew that while he does not like me, he respects me enough that when it's my time to get my butt chewed out because I'm not doing what's supposed to be right. Pause. Forgive me, y'all. That was crazy. When it's time for me to get, yeah, when it's time for me to get, you know, you know, my my talking to because I'm not making a play. I'm going to get it just as much as the guy who's making 180K for being on the practice squad. Right. You know what I'm saying? Tom was no better than any other member of that team. I don't care what the media said. You can call him the goat. You could call him the fish. You could call him the bat. I don't care what you want to call him. When Tom was in New England, there was no egos there. Bill Belichick didn't play that. That's why he was so successful. A guy like Andy Reid. Andy Reid leans into egos. He leans into everybody's ego. Listen, Andy Reid has been Andy Reid has been announced to be the coach that tells, hey, Pat, hey, Kels, go over there and come with some crazy trick plays and then bring it to the team. He leans into guys' egos, and so those guys are more bought in. Those guys feel happy. Those guys feel connected. That's how football works. Football is a game full of emotionally immature men who come together and try to win games. I played the game. You can ask anybody. You can ask any football player who plays it. Why do you get emotional when you get ready? Why do you get emotional when the national anthem is playing? Because you ain't got no control of your emotions. But that's also the drive. That's also the love. That's also the the invigoration of the game. The game makes you feel so connected, so so plugged in that like you can only be one way or the other. That's one of the reasons why the the last program I was with, and I won't put that program out there, but I will tell you the reason why we struggled was because we had a coach, a guy leading our organization who was one way sometimes and another way some the other times. That's why the kids couldn't trust him. The kids couldn't believe in him. The kids thought he was a snake and a viper, which he is. He, he's a snake. I mean, I'm mean, a down low, dirty snake, bro. But the reason why they saw that side of him was because those were the actions he put out. You know what I'm saying? Like when you're a coach, you can only be one way with guys. I can tell you, bro, that you can call any player I've ever coached. Cape was a dick. All the time. All the time. I was a jerk, bro. All the time, bro. Like, I, it was times when it was like, it, we, man, we was heading to church and I'd be a jerk. Like, like, man, we was, we just finished, we just beat a college team by four, 40 to zero. And I'm dogging guys. I'm trashing guys. You have to, right? You have to pick one side. I'm not saying you've got to trash kids. That's not what I'm saying or trash players. What I'm saying is you have to pick a way and stay with that because that's what these kids, that's what these players remember. That's what sticks with these guys. And the one moment you switch up, they see it as an opportunity, one, to take advantage and two, as an opportunity of disloyalty or distrust. And so that's why I think Cliff Kingsbury is on the hot seat. That's why I think there are guys like uh, McDaniels, who just got that job, who might be on the hot seat. That's why my man out in Denver is on the hot seat because he switched up. He do it at Denver. My man was like, "Oh, we got Russ. Here you go, Russ. Russ on there, unlimited, unlimited Bronco country. Let's ride, right?" Instead of saying, "Hey, Russ, 
you're new to this team. There's obviously some baggage you're bringing in because if you were the guy, Seattle never would have gotten rid of you. Let's be real. Seattle would have never gotten rid of you because that Seattle team is showing you that Seattle wasn't the issue. Yeah, they can still compete. They can still win. They'll compete for the right leader. Right. They'll compete for the right leader. And so it's not that Seattle is the issue, that you were the issue. You came in with baggage, but rather than you telling him, hey, you're another member of this team, you're new here, we're going to put that captain tag on your jersey, but you're going to act like every other single guy on this team. They said, no, Russ, you come in, we want you to run the offense. Bring some of that stuff over that you did out in Seattle and show me what you got. And what happened? He came in in an environment where he truly wasn't prepared and ready to go. That's why that team exploded. Because we see that Denver defense is great. That yeah. Denver defense is good, bro. Amazing, bro. They're 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 a top top tier defense, bro. They hold people to top tier defense. You get the right quarterback on that team. That Denver team might make a playoff push, and it's, because Jerry it's, Judy makes plays, he, bro. Jerry Judy Sutton sometimes makes plays. Sutton sometimes makes plays. Time. But it's funny you mention that though, bro, because. If I'm not mistaken, reports came out that Russ has his own office at the at the, the Bronco facility. He flies separate from the team. He has to have all these uh, hotels on the road to bring his family with him. Like he's actually like the superstar of the Broncos. Right. He's Madonna. Like and and like that's one of the things they didn't see. Like we didn't see that with the Legion of Boom, right? Like I watched the interview that uh, Richard Sherman did with Marshawn Lynch, and Marshawn said it, "Dog, you cannot be my quarterback, and I can't call and reach you. I gotta text you. I can't pick up the phone and call you and want to talk. Like that's an issue. Or I gotta you're my quarterback to you. Yeah, bro. That that was that's an issue. Like especially when we're in season." Especially when we're in season. If you're home with your family, that's cool. But, dog, I can tell you, man, when I was playing college football, when I was coaching football, man, me and the coaches on the phone all the time. Yo, what's up, bro? Man, I don't care if we just play a game. I don't care if we just play the championship game. We on the phone chatting it up, kicking the, you know, just because the game is so entrenching. You get so consumed by it. You can't tell me you have that much of a disdain for your teammates that you don't like. That's why people on the hot. That's why guys on the hot seat. Guys like Dan Campbell was on the hot seat five weeks ago. He's not anymore. Guys like Ron Rivera was on the hot seat five weeks ago. He's not anymore. Why? Because they have stayed true to who they were. They have stayed true to the mentality of their type of coaching. You know what I'm saying? There are guys out here who we're getting ready to see lose their job because they just switched up. That's it. I like that a lot, bro. Yeah, that being being transparent and being real is important, especially when you're dealing with with grown men like like they are in the NFL. Uh, they can they sure. can find fakeness a mile away, man. And yeah, they've been around the game too long. Too long, bro. Too long. Just kind of staying around the topic of quarterbacks, like. I'm gonna give you an example of what I'm looking for, but what's one team that you want to rep- that you want to see them replace their starting quarterback now? Like for instance, for me, I know this guy about three four weeks ago was an MVP candidate, but man, I want to see the Miami Dolphins replace Tua, bro. I'm gonna be honest Oof. with you. I feel like 
this is their ceiling with Tua, a wild sure. card team. And sure. I feel like if they were to replace Tua with maybe I know you've mentioned it numerous times. I've mentioned it a time or two. Lamar Jackson, if they continue on the path that they were wanting to go last offseason and get Tom Brady, I mean, it's 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 a few people that can elevate that team, man. And so sure. I would like to see the Dolphins replace Tua just off of the strength of I feel like this is as far as they can go. I also would like to see my Jets replace Mike White, but you know, if I'm being honest, like not talking about my Jets because I feel like I talk about them all every week. But I would like to see the Dolphins replace Tua, man. Who who you got? Mm. That's a great question, man. I was sitting here thinking, um I would I have two teams that come to mind. Two teams immediately come to mind. Uh my first team is Green Bay. I've always said I think I think Aaron Rodgers, this is his last season in Green Bay. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to Las Vegas. I think that that's where Aaron Rodgers is going to end up. I think that's going to be a good place for him because I think that they're going to financially be able to afford the number that he wants, be able to make that trade happen. And I also think that that will reunite, reunite him with, with his favorite target, as well as weapons he's never had before. He would never have had a tight end to Darren Waller's status. He would have never had a receiving room as good as the receiving room he would now have when he gets to Las Vegas, right? Because Hunter Renfro is a – Devontae, those are some good boys down there in Las Vegas. Those are some good boys to throw the football to, especially when you can still throw. And so I think – I think Aaron is on that list for me. I think that I really want Green Bay to go ahead and replace him. I want them to go ahead and try to give Jordan Love a chance because I watched Jordan Love in his start the other week. Um, he made some good throws, man. He made some throws that I was kind of impressed with. I was like, wow, I didn't know you could throw the ball like that, man. Um, so that's one team. My next team, man, you're probably going to like just hate me for it. And I kind of, I kind of don't like that I'm saying it. It's time for LA to go ahead and move on. It's time for the Rams to move on. Man. It's time for the Rams to move on. It's time for the Rams to move on. I want to make time. I want to make space to shout out Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield did something I've never seen done at the quarterback spot before. Go to a new team. 48 hours later, suit up, play a football game, and go in and win the football game without knowing the offense, just knowing pure football, just being a pure competitor. He made one of the most amazing throws I've ever seen a quarterback make. Left side of the field, back shorter throw to the end zone. Van Jefferson, amazing pass. He worked the move, got an outside release. Ball went over top. I've never seen Baker Mayfield throw a, make a throw like that. I can tell you that I was a pure, pure Heisman-level play. That's why Baker won the Heisman. That was a pure, pure First round, first overall pick play. That's why Baker was the first overall pick. I am not certain whether or not this is the Baker we will always get or if this is the Baker with a chip on his shoulder. Either way, I think that Matthew Stafford's time in football is drawing to a near because I have seen some speculation to say that there are some significant injuries that he has sustained over this past season that could be potentially life-threatening depending on how he gets hit, what type of healing he undergoes. And I think at this point, and Darius, you said this the other day when we talked, Matthew Stafford knows he's probably not a Hall of Fame guy, but he does know he's a Detroit Lions Hall of Fame guy. 
And I think that may be enough for him because he's not only proven his value and his ability in his first year and with a new organization, similar to what Tom has done, right? In that, okay, I left an organization I've been with so long, different from Tom, he was not winning a lot there. He got to a new team. He immediately went and won a Super Bowl. And so I think that that is huge. That's phenomenal. But I think now he knows I've got the MVP. Now, excuse me. I, I, he's had an MVP before, right? He's been the MVP of the league, right? No, he never was MVP of the league. Okay, so he was never MVP of the league. He Was he MVP of the Super Bowl? No, Super Bowl. Cup was it. Yeah. Okay, he, so. To be honest, his career is two-time. Lackluster. He, yeah, bro. Very lackluster. Yeah, I mean, let's be. He has a bunch of records, though. He has a bunch of passing yards, a bunch of passing yeah. touchdowns, but a bunch of interceptions. <laughs> he's, yeah. he's, and, and, he's the guy. And that's okay, right? That's okay. I think he knows that I don't have the awards, but I have the Super Bowl. I did the thing. It's time for me to go home. And if Baker Mayfield is the the filler, He's not a bad filler based on Thursday night's game. Right. Now, if he plays any better than that, Baker Mayfield now has a new home to be that guy in. But if he plays any worse than that, I think Baker Mayfield finds himself on the street again. So I think right now the Rams are up in the air about their quarterback position. They're, the Rams are the Rams of 2020 all over again. Yeah. The Rams are the Rams of 2020 all over again. Something to do with the quarterback, yeah. Lackluster running game, you know, injuries on defense, you know, questioning what they're going to do at quarterback, receiving rooms not the very best, you know. Like, think about it. Like, with Cooper Cup injured, with Aaron Donald injured, with uh, Matt Stafford injured, that's that's the 2020 Rams team. That was after they let go of Todd Gurley. That was like, we have nothing left. And the worst part about this Rams team is, at least in the 2019-2020 Rams, you still had Jay Ram playing at an all-pro level. Jalen Ramsey's looking like he's on the end on in his career, too, bro. It's just who play. My man be getting baked like ZD, bro. My man be getting baked like ZD, bro. I didn't know he I didn't. I really didn't believe he'd get roasted like that. I'll be out there getting flamed, bro. If it wasn't like you said that Thursday night miracle that right. did, man, Devontae right. embarrassing him, bro. Devontae Adams was embarrassing him. So, I, bro, that was a great game, bro. That was an amazing game. Mm-hmm. That was an amazing game. One of the better Thursday nighters that we've gotten this year. Mm-hmm. So I mean, so. it's just. I'm honest. I'm surprised you didn't say a name that I know you became a big fan of this year. I was surprised you were going to mention something about Geno. That's just one last quarterback I kind of want to bring up, man. Where do you see Geno? What do you see Geno doing this offseason, man? They say he's gonna he's gonna demand a pretty penny. There's a lot of quarterback needy teams that are gonna be calling Geno Smith's phone. I'm gonna be honest with you. If I'm Geno, I stay in Seattle, man. If I'm Geno, I stay in Seattle. I stay in Seattle until they prove to me that they've got an answer for that quarterback change. If you can prove to me that we've got the assets and the ability to bring in a quarterback that's better than me, I said, Pat, I'll be the backup quarterback. But as of right now, there is no better option. Who y'all going to put in? Locke? 
Lock is not better than me. Like, like who y'all going to go get? Russ? Russ can't get it done. Where y'all going to find a guy that can start right now? You can trade for any backup quarterback in this league right now, and they're not better than me. Geno Smith is a top 32 quarterback right now in this league. Yeah, that's true. You're not going to go bring in a guy. You're not going to go get Cam Newton. Like, like <laughs> if you get what I'm saying, you get what I'm saying? Like, right. if I'm Geno Smith, Geno Smith has literally made the declaration that says, you need me, and you have to keep me. Right. So if that's saying, if Geno comes out and says, okay, I'm going to ask for 20 mil a season over the next four years, $80 million payout, right? Let's say that says high. I go to Seattle and I say, I don't want 20 mil a season for four years. I'll take 18 for five. I'll take 18. I'll take 18. If he does something, I'll take 18. 18 mil, 100 mil. The going rate for quarterbacks in this league, oh, when it's in this league, five mil a season, fifty mil a season. Listen, Come and on. I tell and I tell them and I tell them just like this: you front load my contract, so I'm making more guaranteed money in the front, right? So if he hits the open market and his high is twenty mil a season for the next four years, that's eighty million dollar deal. He probably gets a fifteen million dollar signing bonus. Let's say a ninety five thousand, a ninety five million dollar contract, right? That's cool. I go to Seattle and I tell them, hey, I'll do it for 17.5 over the next 17.5 for each of the next five years. I'll sign with y'all for 11 mil. And I tell you, I want my contract front loaded. So my first two years, while any other place of that 20, I could potentially make 15. I want to be able to make the whole 17. Give me the whole 17 off the cap. The only players you really need to resign is DK Metcalf. We don't have no superstar DK's studs on this got team. An extension though, DK's already got that extension. They signed exactly last offseason. So then, at that point, like depending right. on how long the contract is, it might run through DK's next extension. But like you said, if you front load my deal, give me five years, I can get all my money paid in three seasons. If you don't want me anymore, year four, that's fine. But I've already let made me go ninety mil. Let me go. I'll be happy. You'll be happy. We're all good. That's bro. That's really that's not bad at all, bro. I like that. I right. like that idea a lot, honestly. And that's not to say, and that's not to say, right? Folks are gonna hear this podcast, folks who listen, and they're gonna be like, Oh, he's saying that that Gino's worth a five-year deal. That's not what I'm saying. That's a hypothetical number. If Gino is worth a three-year deal, if Gino could go make three years of $15 million, that's a $45 million contract for any other team. I stay in Seattle. Exactly. I stay in Seattle. Uh, I stay in Seattle. He's a he's three years 20, 25 mil this offseason with the way no. the are getting paid, bro. Dog, I, I do three, I do three years, I do 12 over the next three years. That's 36 mil. Give me all that guaranteed. I'll play football oh. at quarterback. Oh, yeah. I would need that guaranteed, fully guaranteed. Yeah. If you're gonna shoot me in the foot like that, come on. Come like, on, bro. I need, I need all, all that guaranteed. When I, as soon as I sign on the dotted line, sure, See, absolutely. That brings up another. That brings up a valid thing we to talk about too, bro. Because free agent quarterbacks, it's it's a couple. I, I know we'd already talked about Gino. We talked about Baker. I, I'm I'm getting the idea that you think Baker probably should stay in in LA just off of the Stafford situation. Absolutely. What Absolutely. about and plus with the relationship that he has, plus with that relationship he has with Sean McVay. Like because they were tell they were telling the story on the radio that Baker Mayfield and Sean McVay sat next to each other on the plane when Baker Mayfield was heading to the NFL draft. 
Mm-hmm. They were able to talk football in the entirety of the plane. Now, folks, listen, this is a story that they told on the, on the television. I'm just reporting it. I'll give y'all a source if y'all really need it, if y'all are hard-pressed, right? <laughs> but this is the story they told. And they said that they built a relationship where they stayed in contact during his entire tenure and in in uh Cleveland, yeah, like that is high. that's wicked. That's wicked. That seems that's wicked. Shady, don't it? That seems a little shady. That's wicked. Like, like I don't I, listen. I don't think there's a player out there that could be like, oh yeah, me and Bill Belichick be talking on the phone. Like that's wicked, bro. Like it must be but, Baker. They was like, ah, whatever. Right. But I mean, it's cool that Baker had built that relationship so that way he could find a job. This is Baker's last chance, I think. Yeah. I think anything now, Baker is done. Baker gonna be at the house with Cam Newton. Okay. And I, I got three more, I got three more free agent quarterbacks that are coming up this offseason that I sure. just wanna like teams you think they should go to because you said Baker stay with McVay, which makes a lot of sense. Geno stay with, with Seattle, which makes sure. a heck of a lot of sense because like sure. you said, what's the better option? Jimmy Garoppolo. They thought he broke his foot. They thought he'd be out for the rest of the year, but they're speculating that he might come back during what? The Yeah, they're saying he might come back during the playoffs. He didn't need surgery for it. So nah, Brock Purdy needs to keep playing. Keep Brock Purdy playing. Okay. And this so, is what I do. Okay. Yeah, this is what I do. If I'm the 49ers organization, Brock Purdy's my starting quarterback all the way through the playoffs. I don't care if he loses in the first round. I don't care if he wins the Super Bowl. Brock is my guy. Because Brock is commanded that offense in a way that I don't think Trey Lance or Jimmy Garoppolo has done more recently. I think those guys truly believe in Brock. And I think that they are so happy to see him as a young quarterback that I think Brock needs to stay the guy. But with that being said, this is Jimmy Garoppolo's last season in San Francisco. Where do you think, where do you think Jimmy should go? And that honestly opens up another question. What does Brock Purdy have to do to keep that starting gig as a quarterback? Do you think it's a world where he stays the starting quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers over Trey Lance? Or do you think that this is just for this season while Trey gets healthy, it's his gig next year? Those are two really good questions. First question, I think that Jimmy Garoppolo becomes a New York Jet at the end of this season. I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind, Jimmy. If he's healthy, I wouldn't mind him. I think Jimmy Garoppolo becomes a New York Jet. I think that makes the most sense right now. Jimmy Garoppolo is a is a strong face. I think that New York would love him. I think that that would be a great place for him to make some money. Oh yeah, in a make money in the game and outside of the game, he now becomes the face of this Jets team. He reminds people of um, who's the guy that won y'all Super Bowl back in like Super Bowl three. Um, oh, I know. Wore the fur coat. Yeah, yeah. He becomes that type of he becomes that type of characteristic yeah. figure for the organization because people, you know, look at him and they see you know, like this player, this guy. So I think he goes to the Jets. Does Purdy have a? Is there a world where Purdy stays the starting quarterback? I think if there were a hundred different multiverses, right? You and me love <laughs> superheroes. Yeah. If there are a hundred different multiverses, ten of them, no, twelve, no. 18 of them have Brock Purdy as the starting quarterback. Now, which one we're in, I don't know. Which one of them we're in, I don't know. I think that there is 
you know, I'm usually not wrong when I come up with stuff like this. And so that's why I'm being very cautious about what I speak on Brock Purdy. I need more time to see him play. But I did watch that, watch the highlights of that, uh, that San Francisco Tampa Bay game. He made every throw. Every throw, bro. He, he made every throw. throw. He made every throw. Hey, if y'all want to watch a good game, listeners, y'all pull up that game on uh, on YouTube. He made every throw. He made every single throw. He made throws that he was not supposed to make. Out routes with receivers covered. He made throws tight on the sideline to, to tailbacks. He made throws across the middle of the field with the with the pocket collapsing, pressure up the middle. He's standing in there like he's been playing football forever. And so I think there are about 18 different universes where he is the San Francisco 49er starting quarterback. I think there's also of those hundred worlds, 18, he's in San Francisco. I think there's a strong 10 where he's not in San Francisco, but a starting quarterback for another team. Mm. I could easily see a team make the trade because they're so impressed with the resume that he's put on display. Yeah, bro. I could easily see a St. Louis. I mean, a Rams team. Jesus, I call them St. Louis. They haven't been St. Louis a while. L.A., right? I could easily see an L.A. making the call. I could easily see a Denver making the call, right? Yeah. If I'm Denver, why not go get Brock Purdy? We got Russ for this long period of time. Let him sit behind Russ. Let him learn a little bit. Hey, Russ, we don't want you to play no more. Here's, yep. Let him go play. We've seen all we need to see. That right. Means- now, the only bad thing about that is only bad thing about that is Russ has got that team gridlocked so bad in the contract. I just think it's upsetting. Like he's going to be their guy until Russ is like 38 and 39. So you ultimately, you cut him, you trade him, you blow up your roster forever financially. You know, at this point you kind of got to ride Russ out, but even then if you ride Russ out, Hey, like it is what it is. We got to find somebody who can throw the football. Like I could see Purdy. I could see Purdy being the quarterback for Detroit. We talked about it earlier. Let golf do his thing. After a while, tell golf, hey, golf, you got to head on out, man. Appreciate you. Thanks for everything you've done. Like, And the like, quarterback he was talking about, everybody's Joe Namath. Mr. Joe Namath is definitely like a – people find his, his like face the way he was appealing, and, and women loved him. So, yeah, I definitely could see Jimmy G doing something yeah. similar to that. Last two guys I got for you, bro. Lamar Jackson, I know you've said Miami. Are you still on that Miami bandwagon for him? Where do you think he should go? What do you think will be a perfect situation for him? He's going to Miami. I know without a shadow of a doubt. I want to be the first person to have said it. I want to say it a hundred different times in this podcast. So that way when this one comes true and we put this out there, we can get famous off it. He's going to Miami. He's going to Miami. I don't see a world where he does not go back home. He, I, I, you cannot convince me the way the Ravens have decided to treat him, the way the Ravens have decided to treat that organization. There's no way in my mind he does not go back home. You, I can't, you cannot convince me him staying in Baltimore is the best idea. Heck no, not with those weapons. Now, not, with, no, oh, no offensively, game. like offensively, I cannot be the only answer. I, I just can't. I can't. As a player, as a human being, I cannot be the only answer. Not on this organization because, again, I'm hurt. I'm hurt again another season. I was going to say, man, I hope he gets healthy, man. That PCL sprain could have been a lot worse, man. That knee injury looked, man. I, I, don't I haven't even seen it. Season. 
it, it looked like, if I'm not mistaken, it was kind of like a he was he was a scrambling type thing, and he like he got rolled up, and it, it just it, it yeah. looked it looked scary. You know, I don't like looking at stuff like that, yeah, bro, bro. Trust yeah. me, I know, bro. I done been through it, man. Seeing what Kyler Murray did, yeah. bro, I don't see him stepping back on that field again for the Ravens, bro. I don't see absolutely it. not. Absolutely not. I think he's at home right now stewing. Like, man, I just messed myself up. I'm out here playing for this organization and they care nothing about me. But this goes to my theory. I wish I could write a dissertation on it. Why the league values passing quarterbacks who can run over running quarterbacks who can pass. Think about it. Every quarterback who is a passer with the ability to run gets a paycheck. Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, why do these guys catch checks? Jimmy Garoppolo got paid. They tra- they traded Jimmy Garoppolo. He caught a check. He did get like, paid. Same friend. Oh, why is Kirk Cousins still getting paid? I'm not saying Kirk isn't good. I'm not saying Kirk is bad. I'm just saying guys who are passers and can run out of the pocket a little bit catch these enormous amounts of money. But we've seen it historically. Guys who can really do the thing don't get paid. Guys who can do the thing don't get paid if they can run first and pass second. Look at Russ. Look at Tua. Look at Trey Lance. Look at every running quarterback in this league except for Patrick. Well, and Patrick Mahomes is a passer who can run. Look at every running quarterback this season. Patrick Mahomes is definitely a passer first. Oh, yeah, he's a passer first. Don't get it twisted. He can run a little bit. He's agile. But look at every running quarterback in this league. Kyler Murray, uh, Lamar Jackson, Tua. Was injured. (laughs) Still injured. Don't get it twisted. Tua is still hurt. Like, Tua is hurt for life. I wouldn't consider Tua a scrambling quarterback, but I see what you're saying. Justin Fields, shoulder injury. Justin Fields, Trey Lance. Even Tyler Huntley is injured right now as well for Baltimore. So I just so who's the guy? If bro, who knows, bro? Trace McSoley is the guy, bro. It, it might be Trace, bro. Unless they picking somebody oh, off the ball. I gotta look this up. Yeah, bro. Because if I'm not mistaken, he was questionable, bro. Tyler Huntley. So I don't know, bro. I look this up. I didn't even. I hope Trace McSoley is not the guy. I, I know Baltimore as a city isn't yet. I'm looking at it right now. Tyler Huntley's questionable with the concussion, but he did practice. He ended up practicing Wednesday. So okay. he did practice. So, I so mean, who's that third string quarterback? That's a good question, bro. Let's let's take a look. Cause man, if okay. if you come down to that roster now, it's LeBron, it's Lamar and it's uh Tyler. But I don't see any other. I don't see a third a, a third quarterback on roster. They have a dude named Anthony Brown. Mm, Anthony I've Brown is a practice squad quarterback. They definitely have a type in Baltimore, bro. Let's just talk about that. They definitely have a type, right? But uh, Brown quarterback. Oh, they got Brent Huntley. Oh, Brett Huntley from UCLA? Oh, he's been in the league eight years. Bro, it seems like he just got drafted. But like you said, perfect backup, bro. Yeah, that's great. Last name I got for you, though, bro. Thomas Edward Patrick Brady Jr. 
what team do you think he should try to go to this offseason? New England. He preserves his legacy. He preserves his legacy, and I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't make it back, uh, make a good push for the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I go back to New England if I'm Tom. If I'm Tom, I go back to New England because San Francisco doesn't want you. Um, need you anymore the way Brock Purdy plays. Yeah, they don't. They don't need you anymore because the truth is, even if they're like Brock Purdy isn't our guy, okay, cool. Well, Trey Lance will be back next year, so we still gonna play Trey Lance. Like, mm-hmm. um, you go somewhere where. They're potentially trying to be good, like a Tampa Bay, like a, a, a New Orleans, like, you know. Oh, I, I mean, New Orleans has got a solid team. You think about Tom Brady throwing to Michael Thomas, Jarvis Landry, oh, wow. uh, Taysom Hill, yeah. Alave. He's got Alvin Kamara in the backfield. They bring in some offensive line pieces. That defense is still – Decent. They can bring in some pieces. You got Marcus Lattimore. You still got Cam Jordan. Like, that's not a bad decision in New Orleans, but that I just is that division is very winnable. That, that division is always winnable. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're always going to win well in that division. But I head back to New England, man. I head back to New England. They welcome you back with open arms. They give you more money than any other team will because you're 46. You know, they're going to give you any more money than any other. They're going to give you more money than any other team will because you're Tom Brady and you've got such a legacy here in New England. Mm-hmm. I do my last year, my farewell tour. Hey, y'all, I'm officially going to retire. I know I BSed a little bit. I bounced around. Hey, I come in the locker room every week. All right, guys, I know this is my last week. I really want to make it to the bowl. Let's try to get out of here, man. Like, let's, hey, let's, let's have a good push. You're going to get a bunch of no-name guys who are going to sell out for contracts. And so that team is going to win four or five more games than they legitimately should. They're going to compete with the Bills. They'll split the Bills. They'll beat the Jets. They'll beat Miami. They'll split with Miami if Miami gets Lamar Jackson. Heck, that makes him a 10-win team. That makes him an 11-win team. He goes in. He competes. Last time he, he makes it through at least the first round. He gets close to the AFC championship game. He might duel a guy like a Patrick Mahomes. He might duel a Josh Allen. He wins that game. He makes it to the Super Bowl. He loses that game. He rides off in the sunset looking like a dog because he went back to the place that ultimately didn't want him and took them somewhere the quarterback they drafted didn't take them. See, that was my next question. That was going to be the next point that I had. What did that mean for Mac Jones? Mac Jones stays on that team. He's only sitting on the bench for one year. Mac Jones becomes a much better football player sitting behind Tom Brady for a year than starting for four years. Mm. Think about it. If Mac Jones starts for four years, Mac Jones might not get a re-sign on that team. But if Mac does two years, if Mac does two years, sits behind Tom for a year and then comes back and for that fourth year and plays like it's looking like because this is year two for him. He sits behind Tom for year three. They go ahead and bring him back year four. They probably give him a deal. They probably are going to like really lean into his development. Hey, he's going to be a guy. He's going to be a dude. He'll be a dude. We'll be looking at Tom Brady 2.0. I like that, bro. I like that a lot. I, I hadn't thought about New England. I'll be honest with you, but I like that a lot, bro. That would yeah, be- I go back to New England. I go back to New England. Like you said, everything will come full circle. Yeah. And win, lose, or draw, he rides off in the sunset. Now he can at least look at his career and say it was an amazing career. Mm-hmm. Hey, I won 
six Super Bowls with this organization left, won another one, came back and took them deep into the postseason. We just didn't have the gas or the mustard to get us there. But I did everything I could in my career. I played. I passed all the numbers. I broke all the records. I did everything anyone can, everything anyone could ask of me in this sport. I've done it. MVPs, MVPs in the Super Bowl, comeback players of the year. I've literally won every single award yes. that you ask of me. I've won everything. The only thing he doesn't have, if I'm not mistaken, is a, a Walter Payton Man of the Year award. That might be the only thing he has. Because that might be the only thing he doesn't have. Towards ACL, he did. I forgot about that. Yeah, he's comeback player of the year, and so it's like, like, dog, listen, like that. You, that's a, that's a win. Tom could walk away, and Tom could write his own ticket. He could sit courtside of every game. He could be, he could be that dude, bro. Tom could be that dude. I like that. Tom could be that guy if Tom really want to be. So a lot, bro. That'd be amazing. That'd really be amazing, bro. Um, seeing him back in that red and white and blue, that'd be amazing, bro. Huge, huge. I'm sitting here looking now. Oh wow, 2006. They had two Walter Payton of the Year winners, the Danian Thomason and Drew Brees. Mm. 2016, they had Larry Fitzgerald and uh, Manning, Eli. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. They Larry Fitz is a is a class act, man. Yeah, yeah, he's a class act. I hate that he's not in the NFL still, but he's he knew he was just tired, man. Oh yeah, bro. Russ won it in twenty twenty. <laughs> wow, that's interesting. Oh, there it is. So, before we get out of here, man. Yes, sir. I, I gotta I gotta ask you this last thing regarding quarterbacks, man, because it seems like the MVP is coming out to a two quarterback race, bro. Seems like it's coming out to your boy down there in KC and that bad man up in Philly, Jalen Hurts. So if you had to give your MVP Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes. No question about it. I mean while and I don't mean to cut you off because you're the host, so please finish. But I, I just had to let you know that Pat Pat deserves that hands hand over fist compared to Jalen Hurts. Okay, hand over fist. I'm not mad. Hand over fist. But it's not to say that Jalen Hurts is a bad option to give the award to, but it's hard not to give it to Patrick Mahomes. I mean, he does all the things like. He's a little high this season on his interceptions. I'm a little disappointed that he's at 11 already. Like, my God. Like, that's a lot of turnovers. It's like Madden. (laughs) Yeah, like, that's a little crazy. And, you know, Jalen Hurts' numbers are ridiculous. I mean, 32 total touchdowns, three interceptions, uh, a 70 QBR, you know. You you can't really – you can't really ignore that, but – you gotta you gotta give it where it's where it's due, man. And, and Patrick Mahomes again is doing Patrick Mahomes has been the the bright spot of consistency. So Okay. I mean, and and he's been extremely consistent without the resources he's usually had. Mm-hmm. Like Tyreek Hill is having a all-world year. Like they said Tyreek Hill is the only player in in a season to have uh, a receiving touchdown, a rushing touchdown, throw a touchdown, return a field goal, uh, return a, a punt, uh, 
return a kick return all in the same season. Like that's an all world season. Like he's icon. Like no question about it. But truth is, man, like Patrick Mahomes is just doing the thing and he's doing it well, bro. He's doing it well, bro. Someone that's number three on that list is Joe Burrow down there in Cincinnati as well. He's having a good season too, but that makes yeah. a lot of sense, bro. I, you know, I'm a Pat Mahomes fan. I like Pat. I can't even argue with that because man, he's playing well, bro. I like Jalen Hurts. So I would love for him to get it, but I feel like if he does, this will be him peaking, and I, I would want him to keep to keep growing as a player to keep developing. Sure. That makes a lot of sense, bro. But uh and I think um I think somebody who we need to talk about, man. We need to talk about this guy, bro. We need to talk about this guy. Jettis, man. I think Jettis is like hard number two, bro. Jettis is hard number two. He like he's better than four of the quarterbacks leading that award. Bro, yeah, he him and Tyreek are on pace for 2K, bro. Tyreek got like 1460 and Jettis got 1500, bro. It's with like four games left, bro. It's man, it's crazy, bro. This makes me feel a lot better about all the mad numbers we was putting up for real because it shows that real people are doing this, so it makes a little sense. Yeah, right. Hey, there's something else, bro. I love that they got Geno Smith's name on here. For MVP, he's probably like, came out this he is on this list. Technically, he would be like nine. I, I guess nine. That makes sense. Niners. I love that. Yeah, I love that for him. Shout so, out to Gino. Shout out my dog Gino. <laughs> <laughs> hey, my dog Gino, man. But last but not least, man, you know we got to leave our words of wisdom, whether it's Capers Corner, whether it's the Dynasties as a whole with the OG unit, or whether it's the visitors. You know, we got to leave with the words of wisdom, man. I got something for y'all, man, sent from my brother Alex. He uh, he was unable to be on this episode, but he did want me to leave y'all with the words of wisdom. He wanted me to say good things come to those who wait, but great things happen to those who work. And and that's just major, man. I basically just that just I put ice it on the cake for what we're all about here at the Dynasties, man. We're all about hard work, man. We're all about getting to that paper, getting to that money, making stuff shake, prayer, and putting in work, man. Those are the two P's you gotta have: prayer and putting in work. So I truly appreciate him for saying that. I'm just gonna let that be it. I mean, man, what more needs to be said? Work hard. Every day, get to what you need to do, and God will bless you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, folks, <clears throat> it's your boy, Hen Dog again, with another little bit of nugget, a little bit of wisdom just to keep you going throughout your week. Um, definitely want to share with you that it's important to value. We as humans, we have learned, we have been taught, we have been conditioned to put a value to everything. There's a value to your time. There's a value to your vehicle. There's a value to your work. There's a value to uh, this piece of paper we call currency. Um, So value, learn to value today. And not the tangible things, not the things that you can put in your hand, that you can put in your pocket, that you can put in your bank account. 
Learn to value time. Learn to value presence. Be extremely mindful that what is here today could easily be gone tomorrow. And so take a moment to thank whoever you believe in. Take a moment to consider for a second that the people that you care about, that the people that you love, the people that you hold dear, could be here today and gone tomorrow. So value. Do what you have been conditioned to do, but do it for people that you actually care for. Do it in a manner that is authentic, that is real, that is genuine, that is meaningful, that is long lasting. Do it in such a way that when people see how you value and who you value, they know the worth of that person. Do it in such a way that you can bless people with their flowers while they're here. Because when something isn't around anymore, when the value is gone, when the ability to value that thing is gone, it's a very vacant space. Okay? So if that's your loved ones, if that's your friends, if that's your partner, if that's your dog, if that's your pet, I don't care what it is. Value them. Because not every day is promised. It's your boy. It's your best friend. It's your favorite Omega man. Neighborhood hope dealer. One more time. Giving you some good bits of information. Love, care, value the people around you. We'll probably be coming to you with another episode next week. But if we don't, we want to say happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa. All of the things. Happy New Year's. We're wishing everybody so much love, so much peace, so much grace. And before we get out of here, we got to give a major shout out to Darius Capers, the driver of this podcast, showing him so much love. He's walking across stage with his masters and business admin on Saturday. Got to give him so much love and praise. I'm giving you my flowers now. I'm giving you your flowers now, my boy. Super proud of you, dog. Love you. I appreciate that, bro. I truly do, man. I appreciate you for being, being one of them rocks for that whole process, bro. And it definitely wasn't easy, but I truly appreciate you guys for being there for me, man. Special shout out to Henry, man. He's he's working through that doctoral degree, man. We we, we yeah. here at Dynasties, man. We we trying to get to this paper, man. Work hard. So, like you mentioned, man. Until next week, love y'all. Appreciate y'all for listening. This has been another successful episode. Till next time, man. Until next time, folks. Till next time. <laughs>